going to buy when they're going to buy and they're going to buy what they're going to buy. I think that's really what it is, is you just, you be helpful and you just be patient. I don't need to convince them of anything. I don't need to persuade them necessarily that they have this problem. I don't get to tell them what their problem is. I just get to tell them how I might help them solve it. And then they get to decide if it's the right time and the right solution for them. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast, featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, as we each bring you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Making Sales Social Podcast. You know, I have mentioned that uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Vegas for uh, Sales 3.0 CRO Summit. That's uh, Chief Revenue Officer Summit. And it was an amazing event. I got to speak. I got to learn new tools that I'm using. But my favorite thing was really the, the people, the quality of people that I got to meet. And today, our guest is one of them. Phil Putnam is a career and life coach who helps people of all levels navigate their relationship with employment. Today, we're going to talk about how salespeople can fit into that, how salespeople can navigate their relationship with their employer. The only thing that Phil loves more than talking is listening. Phil, welcome to Making Sales Social. Thank you so much. Um, I also love to laugh, so thank you for making me laugh. Yes. <laughs> you know, there there is science behind people that laugh are happier. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's not just they're happier so they laugh, yeah. but laughing creates a, a chemical happiness in our bodies. So yeah. what a wonderful way to start this. So that's great. So um, I will save you from any jokes that I may have, <laughs> but maybe we'll, we'll have some giggles anyway. Yeah. Um, so we ask all of our guests mm -hmm. uh, the first question, which is what does making sales social mean to you? I think it's making it conversational. It's being patient. It's just, you know, people, people are going to buy when they're going to buy and they're going to buy what they're going to buy. Right. So I think that's really what it is, is you just you be helpful and you just be patient. And I, I really love to talk about the difference between persuasion and influence in selling. And I live primarily in the world of like multi-solution platform enterprise technology sale. Right. So that's a long process usually. Um, but no one gets into that process as a buyer unless they're certain of the problem they need to solve and that it's worth solving. So people are going to buy when they're going to buy and they're going to buy what they're going to buy. Right. So I think that's really what it is, is you just you be helpful and you just be patient. I don't need to convince them of anything. Right. I don't need to persuade them necessarily that they have this problem. I don't get to tell them what their problem is. I just get to tell them how I might help them solve it. And then they get to decide if it's the right time and the right solution for them. I love that. So um, what I've heard you talk a little bit about is, I guess, the alignment between mm -hmm. social selling and coaching. 
Sure. Can you share a little bit about, you know, what you see is important in bringing those two activities together? Yeah, well, I I think the most common bond they have is that they're both entirely based on going at the pace of the the buyer or the consumer. And so with coaching, a great coach is going to facilitate your development. They're going to facilitate your realizations and your next steps, but they're going to respect your pace. They're also not going to set the agenda for you. Sometimes people will ask me, what do I need to look for when I'm looking for a coach? And I always tell them the most important thing when you're looking for a coach is you. Nothing matters more than you. Because again, you're, you're paying for this service, right? right. So, um, and when I think about how you start finding out if you've got the right fit with the coach and, and the right chemistry, I think I start with how are they selling to you? And this is, this is why I love talking about social selling and coaching, because if they're hard selling and if they're trying to set an agenda, they're indicating to you what they're going to be like as a coach and social selling again, is all about prioritizing the consumer experience and waiting until the time is right for them. And so I think that a coach that social sells to you before you sign up is indicating to you that I'm going to prioritize your experience and I'm not going to prioritize my experience. So I just had this uh, hashtag pop into my head. They'll like a coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so valuable. And it's okay. Especially. Okay. I'm going to go a little data nerd on you for a second. I'll take it. I love data nerd. I'm obsessed with buyer experience in any context. And, you know, we know that today's B2B buyers, thanks to Gartner and Forrester and a bunch of other buyer experience research recently, and by recently, I mean kind of over the past three-ish years, is that more and more people are spending time, you know, doing their own research, self-service, digital research, learning and arriving at a certain point of purchase decision before they'll even talk to a rep from Mm -hmm. a supplier. And, and then that's about 45% of their buying time. And then roughly like 17% is spent talking to a rep, right? So that tells us the buyer is insisting at going at their own pace and having more control over their experience than they ever had before. And then also, you know, um, oh no, I lost my train of thought on the also. So I'll just stop there. But, but the point is that like, if you... If you can relate to what the buyer wants, um, then you're going to be a much more effective guide for them through the buying experience. That is coaching. You're, you're, you're coaching your buyer to a certain outcome, right? I love that. You know, it's funny. One of the things we talk about content mm-hmm. is stop telling your prospects what you want them to know. Yeah. And start sharing what they want to hear or what they want yeah. to consume, right? And I feel like that's a perfect alignment with this. So yeah. I love that. So you know, you're a coach, but you're mm-hmm. really this this partner with folks who mm-hmm. are struggling with their relationship and employment. Yeah. So talk a little bit specifically for high performing sales people. Sure. That are struggling with either the culture of their environment, mm-hmm. the change of like I have a client who was killing it. Mm-hmm. New guy comes in 
and they changed his whole territory. Yeah. So his whole pipeline is now for someone else, sure. right? So what do you do when you, how do you help these people you know, uh, navigate this issue? Sure. Yeah. What I, what I really am interested in most when I'm, when I'm working with a coaching client is what is their level of peace of mind? That to me is the most important thing because that becomes the arena in which whatever is happening at work and life can actually get addressed. And my whole approach and my whole heartbeat for everybody is that we can get the life we want from the work that we do. I think that's why we work. Like I care if my employers are successful, but that's not what I care about most. I care most about getting the life I want. And that's why I work. And I think that's true for all humans. So I want to know, yeah, I want to know the details of what's happening in your work environment, but most I want to know how is that actually impacting your life experience? Because I think that is really where you start to get into if this person is getting what they want in exchange for the, for the value they're giving to their employer. And um, once we can sort of suss that out, we can make some really effective action plans for how do you hold on to the peace of mind that you have and how do you, you know, in increase that? And then how do you take steps to reduce the things that are taking away your peace of mind? So I, I love that. Um, you know, when we talk about your relationship with your, with employment, mm -hmm. expand on that. Like what, sure. what does that truly mean to a salesperson or a marketing person or a BDR um, beyond that? You know, this is a place I show up, I do my job, I get a paycheck. What is the relationship? Yeah. Sure. I think the relationship is that one, there's, there's two parties in the relationship. There is the employer or employment as a reality in your life. And there's you. And one of those two PR one of those two parties is going to be the priority. And if the goal is to get the life you want from the work you do, I think you should make yourself the priority. But almost every message we receive from any employer says, make us the priority. And you need us because you need a paycheck. You need us to survive. And let me tell you, if you want to really kind of control a human, there's no better basis to appeal to than our survival instinct. Like it is, it is hard coded into us. And then in today's world, it really is mostly expressed in our relationship with employment because that's how we get the resources we need to survive and enjoy our life. So at the heart of it, I think it's a matter of, are you prioritizing yourself in your, in your experience of employment and getting the life that you want? Or are you prioritizing your employer and their success? Um, and the reason why I fixate on this um, is because I find that unless we become conscious of it, we default to prioritizing the employer. How do we find that balance where we can focus on us and not upset the employer and still sure. perform for the employer? Totally. So our... Our ability to perform, I think, is really more just a matter of our skills and then the context in which we can express them. And how much friction 
is being added by our work environment between our skills and their ability to produce outcomes, right? So that's what I think performance is about. Uh, Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. And then as far as how do we navigate this, um, I think the key is boundaries. And this is one mm. of the main areas that I coach on. Oh my gosh. If you talk to me for more than five minutes, we're going to end up talking about boundaries. I love boundaries. And the reason why I love them is because boundaries are an expression of self-respect. And mm. if you're going to do the work and the effort of establishing boundaries and aligning on them with your employer, which is scary, it's like, Hey, you got to go to your employer and say, you know what? I'm not a morning person. You're going to get the best value out of me between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. So if you force me to be on 8 a.m. meetings every day, yeah, I can probably do that. You're not going to be getting value from me. Do you want value from me or do you want a, a adherence to a policy? That can be a scary conversation, right? So if you're going to do that work of doing that, um, it's going to need to be able to uh, to have a, a, you're gonna to need to believe that it's worthwhile. And if you believe that you deserve work-life balance, mm -hmm. and if you believe that you deserve the balance that is the output of establishing boundaries, then you're gonna be willing to deal with that discomfort and make that happen. So I do really do think it's rooted in your view of yourself and what you believe you're worth and what you believe um, you deserve. Uh, yeah, and, and I think, your worth will also come from the achievements that you do at work, some of that, right? So yeah. I, I love that mindset Yeah, because I want to achieve the best at work. These are my boundaries in order for me to mm -hmm. be my best. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's interesting. And this is what I'm hearing and, I, you know, it's real time. So I'm babbling mm -hmm. a little, but what I'm really hearing is, Work-life flexibility doesn't mean that I'm producing less. Mm -hmm. it, it means that I'm optimizing my time to produce more, to be better, yeah. to be more successful and not just put in the hours, yeah. right? Like I, that's a major aha moment, not just mm -hmm. for the employee yeah. in setting boundaries, but for the employer yeah. to rethink how they lead this team. Oh. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, I saw a post on LinkedIn from Gary Vaynerchuk, who is one of my favorite leader thinkers, right? I re resonate with him so much, how, how human-centered he is. And this post he wrote up, you know, was basically saying, as a leader, your job is to stop pressure at your level. It's not to drive it down below you. To the people that you lead. And I was like, yes, Gary Vaynerchuk, yes. Pressure but stops here. Pressure stops here. And so I think that real yeah. effective leadership is actually leading by increasing your people's peace of mind, not reducing it. And if, because what you, if you can reduce friction between 
a person and their outcomes, you are benefiting your business. So this mm-hmm. whole approach of making it as easy as possible for, for people to have effective boundaries is, is mm-hmm. so helpful in a hard business outcome arena as well. And I love calling out the fact that another word for boundaries is alignment. Like mm-hmm. when you align with your leader on what you do and do not do and what actually is and is not important, that's a boundary. That's a form of a boundary. And what it's I a natural like, boundary. It's yeah, exactly. And yeah. it calls to light the fact that boundaries are produced by collaboration, right? When you're suffering from a lack of boundaries and a lack of balance, it's kind of isolating and it's easy to feel like this is entirely my fault. Like it's my fault that I don't have balance. So it's my fault or it's my responsibility to solve it on my own. But if the issue is work-life balance, you can't solve that on your own. It has to be a collaboration between you and whoever has purview over how you work at your, mm-hmm. at your job. Mm-hmm. And so I love looking at boundaries as alignment because it highlights the, the collaboration element of it. So I love, and I, my, you have me going, all my <laughs> thoughts. So what I'm hearing is, don't say, okay, I've set my boundary. I'm going to go to my manager and I'm going to tell them that I am not coming on 8 a.m. calls. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have a conversation with them and say, you know, I love what I'm doing. I just want to let you know my prime hours are here. This is where I'm most productive. Yeah. What do you think we can do for me to be able to work in these hours? Yeah. And provide the company with my best output, my best production. Yeah. And because then what you're saying to them is I want to give you my best. That's, that's what they're hearing. I mean, yeah, Yeah. they're hearing, I'm asking for something specific to, to meet my needs, but, but what they're really hearing is I want to give you my best and I'm struggling to do that. You could be getting better from me. So I want to partner with you on how to give you my absolute best for the sake of our business. Now that's, I mean, I'm a leader, I lead a team, I lead a business function, that's a message I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy into every day, all day, right? I'm thrilled, right. yeah. And so I, I like talking about this because I think it, um, it can take some of the venom out of the fear around, some, around establishing boundaries with an employer. Um, and, or like another classic example is, do I, I, I can't stop checking my work email when it's the evening, when I'm in family time, and I can't stop myself from, res- from responding to those emails. But what I want to ask the listeners is, if you feel that, have you gone to your employer and said, hey, does it actually matter if I respond to an email at 10 p.m.? And if so, why does it matter? What's the business reasoning for that? Mm-hmm. and and have that conversation and you can say to your boss hey i'm struggling here like i have this compulsion to to re- do work in non-work time and honestly my family's suffering my peace of mind is suffering do you actually need this from me or is this just something that i'm kind of volunteering i'm voluntarily reducing my peace of mind and um and you don't want to you don't want to sacrifice on assumption if you don't, yeah. if you don't need to, right? So it's interesting because I do that 
Mm -hmm. um, to my team because I'm working, but I have told them they do not need to respond to anything. I'm going to be sending emails all hours. Yeah. You do not need to respond until you go back to work. But if I have to wait to respond, I'll forget. Like if I, you know, so how do you feel about like that almost is the culture, like saying, Hey, I, you know, rather than saying, stop sending me emails, is it okay if I wait till work hours to respond? Mm-hmm. And then if there's anything that is critical, text me and say, I just sent an email that's critical because now it's more work for them to do. I don't know. This is what I do with yeah. my team. So really I'm asking for personal coaching here. Is that Totally. It will. I want to commend you. That makes me want to be on your team because what that tells me is that the culture that you're building is one of communication. It's one of reason. It's reasonable. Right. And also what you told me is that you're taking the initiative as the leader to tell people, Hey, I don't expect this of you. Right. Because it is as leaders, it is 100% our responsibility to lead the culture. And and also, it's an imbalanced it's an imbalanced power relationship between leader and and direct report. So the direct report will never feel fully safe to enforce their own boundaries. They will they will need some prompting and and, and support from their leader, and that's going to have to be remind they're going to have to be reminded of that, right? So I love that you are actively maintaining a culture that lets people know, hey, the way I work may be different than the way you work. And that's totally fine. And you don't need to give in to this compulsion to please me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm here to serve you. I I Mm -hmm. love that style of leadership. The one other thing I do on every, once we meet every Monday for our, Mm -hmm. you know, all deck meeting. Yeah. And at the end of every meeting, I'll say, is anyone feeling overwhelmed? Does anyone need support in what they're doing this week? Oh, my gosh. And sometimes we have people at deadlines on this. And I'll say, who has some time that they can go help? Mm -hmm. Who can go support this? Right. And and the team is very cohesive because of that. So that when you said that it it made me feel hugged. Honestly, that's, that's what it felt like. And just, I think it's so, um, if you, if you can, like what you're describing, you're making it safe for people to struggle. You're making it safe for people to ask for help and get help. And you're facilitating that process for them. Let me tell you, anyone out there who's concerned about attrition and the operational cost that comes along with it what Bryn just said is the solution for that or is a major solution for that. Treat your people in a way that makes them want to stay. Um, oh, and I, I love it. That's a, yeah. Yeah. If you awesome. treat them, if you make them want to stay, you won't have to worry as much about attrition. You'll always worry about it a little bit, but I do this at every organization I work at or I consult at. I don't ask people why they chose to work there. I ask them why they stay. And that gives you so much valuable insight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could talk to you all day, but we're going to bring this yeah. in and yeah, wrap yeah. it up. Um, I, I, you know, I, this, 
was so valuable for me. I'm so grateful. I know it's going to bring incredible value to our sales leaders Mm -hmm. and our, our sales producers like this. This is great on both, both levels. So if a company wants to hire you, Mm -hmm. how would they get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah. So philputnam.com is going to be the best place. I do coaching for individuals and then I do also corporate engagements. And so um, there's a button on there to book a free intro call with me. That's the best way. Just book a call. We'll talk through things. It's basically a free coaching session. It's this, it's, it's what you and I just did. <laughs> and it was then so it, fun. Yeah. And then if it works for you, then we decide if we want to go further. Yeah. That's great. Well, I, Cannot thank you enough. Don't miss an episode. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. Register for free resources at linkedinlibrary.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.